folks, it's been a rough 24 hours to be a Wolfpack fan. You know, I, I think the only person that's even the slightest bit happy right now is Dave Dorn because he doesn't like mayo. And he didn't have to get dressed in mayo because of a flatly atrocious performance by our offense. But I'm here to talk to you about the game, what we did well defensively, and some other things around the, our, our different sports programs. It just, it, it just seemed like none of our teams were that interested in putting up points in the last few days. We're going to talk about all that and more with my special guest, Grayson Boone, coming on again on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Grayson, how you doing, man? How you doing? Well, how's your how's your New Year's Eve going so far? Uh, to be honest, I wish I woke up uh, with a winning feeling after uh, what we watched yesterday amongst two different sports. But uh, you know, it is what it is. You take the good with the bad. Uh, we we did receive some good football news here before we jumped on here, so we'll get into that. But uh, could be better. Uh, but happy to go into the next uh, this next upcoming year. How are you doing, Kenton? You know, I, I'm I'm actually good, man. I'm I'm good. I'm gonna tell you, every day above six feet. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm six right. feet. I'm six foot two. So standing up, I'm vertically above six feet. But also not being six feet in the ground. It's a good day for me. It's a good day. And I'm gonna tell you this. It's always another day for the Wolfpack to turn around whatever is going wrong or keep going whatever is going right. And we got some things to turn around. We got a lot of things to turn around. Luckily, we've got some reinforcements and help on the way to turn them around. So we've got to talk about the 16 to 12 loss in Charlotte in the uh, Dukes Mayo Bowl. Now, we all know this was a game in which our defense, our defense dominated. They they more or less won the day. Every single point, and I'm I want to make sure that I have this correct here, but I'm fairly certain that uh there was only one drive that we scored on where we didn't start at our own 40 or better. I, I believe that was the case. Um, but anyway, you cut it and slice it. <sighs> this was a uh, this was a tough one. This was a tough one, and and so you know when you when you look at uh, what happened here, it's it's tough to say anything other than a four string quarterback played like a four string quarterback. But we've got to get into the details of this thing because don't get me wrong. I think as the game waned on and as it stayed close late. Finley started to lose his confidence and started to get less and less confident as the game went on. But I feel like early, the offense didn't help him much. I, I just don't think they did. No, it's uh, it's a little bit of the duality of man. You know, we saw Ben Finley play above his, uh, I guess, grade uh, against UNC, pulls out the win. Yesterday, we kind of saw Ben Finley looking like a fourth-string quarterback. So, um, yeah, it's it was, it was a tough watch. Uh, something you mentioned with the field position. I think that was maybe one of the more frustrating things about watching that sort of offense take place is a lot of drives did start in great field position. And it's something you have to capitalize capitalize on and not just a bowl game, but any game. Um, you know, something we mentioned the other day is Maryland's defense is really nothing special. Uh, I think we made them look special, unfortunately. But, you know, field position that good, you you got to take advantage of it while you get it. 
Yeah, and and again, it's it's one of those situations where it's hard for me to look up and say, you know, hey, we we were in a position to where I look at this team and I say, man, we everything that happened here was because of this thing or that thing that is external to us or that like for example a lot of what I was uh, talking about with Tim Beck and even in this game I said that the play calling was actually pretty good I think that we were scheming guys open I think the guys were 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 running open we just couldn't hit them and offensively in the run game we couldn't execute in terms of reestablishing the line of scrimmage in terms of holding our blocks in terms of giving enough of a crease for our backs to do something because I think that there are you know, I think there are different tiers of backs in terms of like, regardless of whether you're a power back or a shifty back or whatever you are, every there, the different tiers of backs to me are they can make a chicken sandwich out of chicken scratch. That's the top tier. That's your, your Bijan Robinson's, your Barry Sands, Adrian Peterson, that type of deal where, you know, it doesn't matter what you give them. They can do something with it. Then you've got the tier that's like, if you give them something to work with, they can possibly shake something up shake a guy, break something, make something happen. That's where a good chunk of like your good division one or a good power five backs are. I think, you know, you give them some room, they can make a little something happen. And then you've got like your average, they'll give you what you give them. They'll If you give them a hole, they'll give you five yards. If you may even break one every now and then, maybe not. But they're, you know, that. and then you've got backs that are just like, hey, I don't know what they were looking at. I don't know what hole they saw or didn't see. But they got happy feet. They're going to dance behind the line of scrimmage. And they're not going to get the job done. I think the backs we have now, at the current stage that they're at in this game, I think that they were like, eh, you, they'll give you what you give them. They, If you can create a hole, they'll get you five. If you can reestablish the line of scrimmage, they'll get you six, seven. But we just didn't do a good job of that. Our offensive line um, and pass protection, I think they look very good. But in, in terms of the run game, it was like pulling teeth to get a, a five yard. I believe our longest run of the day was five yards. So it was just a, a very tough time there. Yeah, it's, you know, any way you slice it, it's going to be tough without a Grant Gibson and a Chandler Zavala in there. Uh, all in all, I thought the O-line did okay uh, in pass protection. Obviously, didn't do much of anything at all running the ball. But, um, you know, touching back on, you know, play calling, I didn't have too much of a problem with the plays we saw out there. It was a lot more on the execution. I thought, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the pass plays – the receivers were there. They were open. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Ben was having a little uh, struggle hitting them, but uh, not to say there weren't also a couple couple drops, nothing humongous, but a couple drops here and there. But, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan going into the game of the play calling by committee. Um, something I mentioned the other night, uh, I don't know why we wouldn't try and get Robert and I a little involved uh, in the in the bowl game. It seems like, you know, he's been here for two, three weeks now. Uh, it's just, it's extra reps you can build on for next year. Um, I feel like that maybe that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Maybe not. Uh, I just feel like there's, there's more we could have done. Uh, I thought it was, you know, it was okay. Play calling. I'd give it a B minus, um, execution, probably C minus D plus just wasn't there for us. So, and, and you know what I find so interesting about the idea of bringing an eye in and letting them call plays, um, the coach from Maryland said that they view bowl games as like another fall camp. They're yeah. reinstalling everything from day one and Absolutely. all that good stuff. So to your point, this is a great time to do that. This would have been a great moment. 
Why not? It would have been possibly better than what we did see yesterday. Why not yeah. use it as a springboard going into next year? A hundred percent. And I just looked it up and I, I'm confirming now uh, with no, with no uncertainty or doubt, our longest run of the day was five yards. That was our longest run of the day. That's rarely ever going to get it done. And, and when we talk about, when we talked about this game, one of the things that we talked about was the team having to help out Ben Finley, the team yeah. having to do, basically support him and do things around him that would put him in positions to win. Because realistically, if you're not in a position to win, or if you're not creating situations where you're making outlandish or not even outlandish, you're making the tough plays because you know that you have a guy that maybe is not, he's, he's not him with all due respect. He's not that guy. You don't look at Ben Finley and say, if we have to count on him to win three or four games by himself this season, we can do so. He's not that guy. And when you don't have that guy at quarterback, when you have the quote unquote game manager at quarterback, right? You have to find ways to make that guy look better than what he is. And we did not do that. Uh, the first interception he threw, I believe, came off a drop that was slightly behind Daryl Jones uh, when he was running the drag. And a lot of people, trust me, I played the game. I know how tough it is on a receiver running across the field in one direction to kind of reach back a little bit to, to get a ball there. But again, this is one of those moments where you have to. You have to for the guy, for the sake of this guy. I can understand it. We're talking Devin Leary. He's healthy all season and he misses. He throws the ball there. Hey, I understand. You've got to be trusting your ACC preseason player of the year to be able to lead you on a three-yard route. This is a scout team guy. This is a guy who was on the scout team three weeks ago. So I just, I don't. And then you look at the, again, two yards per carry rushing. That's that's never, ever, ever going to get the job done. Um, so we're going to come back here and talk about, um, we're going to come back here and talk about Ken's keys as well as some other teams that, you know, we're, we're struggling as a whole right now, Pac. We're struggling as a whole. We'll talk about all that and more after I give you this quick word from Bet Online, Folks, when I tell you Bet Online is your place to be for all your props and odds and lines, I mean it. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends on every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. Head to the website to learn more today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Grayson, let's talk about these Kenskis, okay? Because Surprisingly enough, I'm gonna start here. I'm a, I normally I don't tell y'all to the end, but I'm gonna start here. The team went four of six in the key. I gotta tell you, I think we did a pretty solid job at uh, showing them how to win that game. That they, 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 they went four of six against the keys. The only problem, the only problem, is that the two that we did not accomplish. Not only did we not accomplish them, we did we spectacularly fell below them. I, and and when I mean spectacularly, I mean it was it was a situation where I, I can't I can't say that this is like a oh well if one play turns out differently. Oh well if uh, well I guess for one of them it's if one play turned out differently. One of them. But even that is like a hmm yeah really 
But all the others, or the other rather, it was it was tough sledding. So let's go ahead and get into the keys, shall we? We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball because, of course, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to go there, but we have to go there. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about what has happened uh, in terms of what our offense did or did not do. So let's go ahead and just get right into it and rip the band-aid off of this game. Um, so the reality here, looking at our first key of the game, it was to get Thayer Thomas seven or more targets. Um, I believe he had nine on the day, four receptions, 54 yards. Hey, listen, we tried. We tried. I'll give the, the play callers credit for that. I can't fault this team at all. I can't uh, fault this team for that. That's that's the one offensive key that we accomplished. Now, every other offensive key, eh, not so much. Not even close. However, I will say this. Thayer and Drake Thomas both went out leading this team, as they always have. You know what I mean? Thayer Thomas leads the team in receiving in his last game. Uh, Drake Thomas leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss in his last game. <sighs> We're going to miss those Tom, Thomas brothers. Miss them. Uh, now that they're going to be going. Big time, big time. But, Irreplaceable but, talents. I said this before, and I, I really mean it because, again, this is it's not my feeling. It's an objective observation. All through the receiving record books is that little walk-on, is that little baseball player. All throughout the record books, he's everywhere in terms of receiving. So, you know, to see him and his brother, like you said, they're irreplaceable. Time. You don't find guys to go up in those record books every day. You, you just don't. I'm sorry to tell you, that's just not how that comes out. And then the next key was to average four or more yards per carry. We tallied 27 yards on 18 carries. Congratulations. If you are listening to this episode right now, if you got up and walked into another room in your house and came back, you probably covered more ground than our running backs did with the ball tucked under their arms in this game. Congratulations to everybody listening. You won a prize. The prize is disappointment and lack of mail. But go ahead, Grayson. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, maybe if we mix up our run looks, but like, I don't know, we just, we're getting no push any kind of way. Uh, you know, running backs, we had, we had Mims in there at some, some points. We had Demarcus Jones in there at some points, you know, Jordan Houston wasn't going anywhere, unfortunately. Um, I, I just. Michael Allen got hurt fairly early on. Oh, Michael Allen, yes. Uh, you know, he had he, he was looking promising there for a hot minute, and then boom, done, out for the game. So that was tough. Uh, I saw a lot of people kind of, you know, hemming and hawing on Twitter about it, like, oh, like maybe we should bring in Jack Chambers. I'm like, oh, now you want Jack Chambers. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how much difference he would have made. I don't know Thayer and the Wildcat. I don't know if that would have made a difference. It just it just wasn't happening. Honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. Thayer and the Wildcat wouldn't have been a bad idea. After after how bad it was in that first half. At uh, the very least, it would have been a different look. Exactly, exactly. But anywho, the final key offensively, 
again, spectacularly short. Uh, I wanted our quarterback play to be slightly above average, a 60 QBR better what I thought would have got the job done, which apparently it would have gotten the job done. Um, Ben Finley had a QBR of 38.4, 38.4. Now reminder folks, QBR and uh, quarterback rating in terms of like the, um, or a passer rating, I'm sorry. QBR meaning quarterback rating and passer rating are two different things. They're two very different things. QBR is a compilation of all the things that you did on the ground, through the air. Um, It takes into account, like if you threw a slant route that went 90 yards, you didn't really have a lot to do with that. You just threw a good slant and your guy made a play. 38.4. Average is 50. Average is 50. 40 means you're below average, maybe even bad. When you get into 30 territories, normally guys don't finish a game. Normally, I more often than not, if a guy's in the 30s, Unless they don't have another option, that guy is not finishing the game. So, um, yeah, we we crashed and burned offensively there. But the highlights of the game for NC State came, as, as they have all year, via the defense. When we're looking at this defense and we're talking about uh, what they had or hadn't done, it's or when we're looking at this team, rather, and talking about what they had or hadn't done, it starts and, and ends with the defense. I mean, we said stop him, B. They were 5-0 on the season when he rushed for 100 yards or more and two-plus touchdowns. Not only did they hold him below 100 yards, he did not get into the end zone. And and on top of that, 65 yards on 24 carries. He also did not average three yards per carry. That's that's pretty good ball there. That's pretty good ball. Don't let the second key defensively, so they accomplished that one, second key defensively, don't let any unheralded receiver have a Daryl Jones game. No receiver went off for 100 yards. Their leading receiver had 80 yards. So there was that. Be who you are. Allow less than your average. I believe we said that the the goal was 17 points, and they allowed 16. Again, I'm I'm a firm believer if you are a Power 5 team and your defense allows, to me, less than 20. If your defense, because the uh, the average FBS team scores 30 points per game. Fun fact, for those of you who don't know, 30 points per game is average for what teams score these days. If you hold a team to half of that, really two-thirds of that, to me, is like, all right, you should be able to win that. But you hold a team to darn near half, got to be able to, at some point in time, punch it into the end zone. You have to be able to, and, and you know, instead, we have what we had there. But speaking of the defense, we've got big news. Isaiah Moore, gone. Drake Thomas, gone. Peyton Wilson is coming back to Raleigh, folks. He is coming back for his final year of eligibility. And I'm going to tell you, I was worried that, like, man, how are we going to replace all three of these guys? We could just get one of them back. We'd be in some good territory. And lo and behold, we get the guy who, I mean, maybe, well, actually, not even maybe, is the best athlete, pure athlete of the three coming back, what does that mean for this Wolfpack team going into 2023? Like you said, you know, a question we were potentially looking at is how do you replace all three of those linebackers? Unfortunately, the answer to that question, if we did run into it, is I don't think you do. You just kind of mm-hmm. you kind of bring up the next the next group of guys. It's a little bit of patchwork. Uh, Peyton coming back next year is enormous. Uh, I don't know if we can overstate it. That is a huge anchor of the defense that we'll be able to 
hold in there. Now, fingers crossed he stays healthy. He's had his issues with injuries, of, uh, as we have all seen. Um, but I do think not only is it valuable for us, uh, I think it's extremely valuable for Peyton to come back and get more, more tape for his draft stock. Um, if he plays the way I think he played for much of this year, he's going to make some money on Sunday. Um, but how excited must Tony Gibson be? Uh, actually, I saw him tweet about it before he jumped on here too. He's got to be fired up about that. Uh, but yeah, having having a, a linebacker with of uh, Peyton Wilson's caliber, huge. It's it's I'm, absolutely huge. I'm gonna tell you this, and and I mean this very genuinely. He and and a lot of fans aren't gonna want to hear this, but I gotta say it because I'm no fluff pieces or hit pieces. He did he did the Wolfpack a solid here. Honestly, oh, big- this is not because let's I I, I don't want to. I'm gonna just say this. You said that he needs more tape, or it's it's good for him to get more tape in for his draft. Opinion, in my opinion, here's the thing: it's known. He's a known commodity. I had Ryan Roberts of Rise and Draft on the show not too long ago, and uh, we were talking about the different guys who get drafted, where they get drafted, all that good stuff. And the, he said the word on Peyton Wilson is simple: he's a freak. If he oh, can yeah. stay, if he stays healthy for a season, he'll be a first round draft pick. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You've seen it. He's sideline to sideline. People use sideline to sideline and hyperbole for a lot of linebackers. He truly is that. And and to say sideline to sideline in the NFL is different than sideline to sideline in college. He has the type of speed and lateral uh, movement that he's sideline to sideline in the NFL as well. So, you know, to, to see all that he is and, and to know that, like, at the end of the day, again, same thing I said about Drake. Drake's limitations, Drake Thomas's limitations are known. It's not a secret. Nobody is like, oh man, uh, what's what's this or what's that? Or, or he can show more of this or that on tape. He can't. He can't show better instincts. He can't show better playmaking ability. He can't show uh, better coverage. Mm, maybe. I mean, but even that's real nitpicky. Maybe he could show better coverage skills. Maybe. I don't think that there's a, in terms of linebackers that could play off the ball, I don't think there's a better one. Uh, I don't think there's a better one in terms of rushing the passer than Drake Thomas. So with him, what is known is known, and there is no too many unknowns where it's like, how fast is he? How quick is he? What does he look like on tape? Those things are known. Same thing can be said about Peyton Wilson and that you know, you know, there is no, you know, our younger guys, sure, there are questions, right? Like Jalen Scott, very, he looks like a freak of nature. Looks like he is, he looks like he was chiseled from from the stones of the Greek pantheon or something. Because, I mean, every time you look at his abs, it's just another rock or cut somewhere. You can tell the physical tools are there. However, he has to show that he has the instincts. He can do, uh, he can play linebacker three downs for an entire game, for an entire season and show that he's consistent there. But again, these guys, nothing left to prove. And honestly, Peyton Wilson coming back, Wolfpack Nation, we we must have done something right. We we must yeah. be living right, as they say. We must be doing our, you know, uh doing right by the people in our lives and, and doing right by whatever deities we worship and pray to, because we did we got one there. We got one. That's right. You mentioned Jalen Scott too. You know, something I think is very valuable is uh, you know, obviously you never want injuries, but with the injuries we've had in our linebacking core at times. Jalen Scott, he's gotten some run in there. He, he's mm-hmm. got a little bit of experience. And now, mm-hmm. you know, now he's going to have to step up. But him him coming back and, you know, he can look over to his right and Peyton Wilson's still there, that's going to that's gonna pay off. You, you, have, you have that anchor in your defense that's going to pay off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, again, 
when you look at the guys, um, when you look at the guys who are who played a lot of football here, uh, they've at the end of the day, you're looking at folks who you're saying, hey, they played a lot because of injury. And that's at the end of the day, it's still playing. It's still them coming in and doing good things when you need them most. And I'll tell you another guy that I'm watching out for in this upcoming season, Devon Betty. He's another one of those linebackers. Um, if he, if he's, I believe he's coming back, right? I'm, I'm fairly certain. I haven't heard anything about him. I've not seen otherwise. Okay. Devon Betty is another one of those guys who's played a lot because of the injuries and whatnot. And he's shown flashes. Let's see if he can put it all together at a high level over the, the term of an entire season. But this is again, Peyton Wilson coming back massive gift for this team. Um, this we were looking at a situation where it was going to be Davin Van up front. Uh, C.J. Clark, I believe, is coming back too, right? Or no? Is C.J. Yeah. Clark? Uh, again, another one haven't heard from. I, okay. I do expect, you know, after this bowl game, uh, we're going to hear some more puzzle pieces start right. to fill in. But I I thought that to myself, we were going to have a pretty much inverse of what we've had these past few years where the linebacking court was the only group that was unproven and everybody else had shown that they can play ball at a high level here. Um, But again, I'm expecting I and and I I just hope I hope that one good thing that came out of this, hopefully, hopefully this put to rest amongst Wolfpack Nation and amongst any media members and all that. I don't want to hear any more questions. Oh man, who's gonna be QB one going into next year's camp? Who's gonna be QB one going into next year's spring ball? With all due respect, with like as respectfully as I can possibly say this, at his worst, MJ Morris looked better than what we saw out of Ben Finley yesterday. At his absolute worst, and that was him. And and people don't understand MJ Morris when we say true freshman this year. A lot of people don't realize that not only because of COVID, but because of the different ways that different graduation dates and all that work out. Nine times out of 10, when we say true freshmen these days, it's like they graduated in December, came to campus in January, and then went through the entire off-season program, and then they start their true freshman season in that next fall. No, 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 no. Uh, MJ Morris got here in the summer. He got here in this. He had no off-season going through our strength conditioning program, learning the playbook, going through all those things. He had no offseason going through the plays with with uh, seeing how it felt, taking reps with the ones. And all. He had none of that. And mind you, we had the preseason ACC player of the year, so it, it only logically follows that he wouldn't be taking reps with the ones. But then go beyond that, and we've got a fifth-year transfer guy that had thrown a lot and, and played a lot of football at the FBS level in Jack Chambers. So it makes sense that he wouldn't be taking reps with the ones or twos. And again, got here in August. This next year, I'm expecting a massive jump out of MJ. A massive jump. He's got a better offensive coordinator. Maybe the offensive line isn't the same. We can acknowledge that. Okay. Maybe the wide receiver room takes a step back, losing Thayer Thomas and uh, Big Devin Carter. Okay. I'll give you that. But with that being said, I'm expecting him to do big things next year. Defense led by Aiden White, Peyton Wilson, Davin Van. When you've got playmakers on every level, when you've got guys who are probably going to be preseason All-American or first or second team, All-ACC at every level, you're, you're starting with a good foundation. 
Yeah, I and I want to be perfectly clear about MJ Morris. Uh, you know, there was a lot of chatter yesterday. People thought he would play, and then he just kind of didn't play, and people were like, I thought he was healthy, yada, yada, yada. You know, Ben Finley ended up playing that whole game. Uh, some people said that they were cool with that. They think Ben Finley can compete. MJ Morris is our quarterback. Point blank, period. MJ Morris, moving forward, is the quarterback of NC State. He's shown, you know, we only saw him for a couple games, but he he impressed me. And that's not something a freshman quarterback can easily do uh, these days. So uh, I, I saw the intangibles that he has, he put on display. He's got it. And something that I'd say the best thing about MJ Morris, he's ahead of schedule. He, we, you know, you just mentioned he came in the summer and just kind of thrown in trial by fire. He now has game experience. He's been in this program learning the plays ahead of schedule. And now he's projected to get the keys to the kingdom here come 2023. He's ahead of schedule. This is our guy again. Thank you. Thank you, Ben Finley. You beat UNC. Thank you. I'll, I'll leave it at that. MJ Morris is the guy moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we've got to talk about another Wolfpack team that, that wasn't exactly too interested in putting up points yesterday. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about them after we get back from a short break here. All righty. And we're back. So let's talk about this basketball team, the men's basketball team first. Cause you know, we're, we're not ta- used to talking about our women's basketball team losing. That's a that's a little bit of a rare occurrence for us. That's, that's not something that we look up and expect to see every day. But we're going to start with the men's team. I will say this. I have told people before, hey, I am very indifferent towards keeping Keats or not keeping him. After the letdown at Miami and starting conference play one and three with your only win being over a Louisville team that I believe has two wins to this point on the season. It, it looks more and more like the clock is striking midnight on on uh, Coach Keats. I mean, he came in on the hot seat. I'll tell you what that that seat is is hotter than fish grease on the Fourth of July at this point because it's 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 boiling in my estimation. What say you, Grayson? Yeah, so I mean, this is the first time you and I have gotten to really chat about men's basketball. But you know, for the last couple of years, I have been—I don't want to say a Keats believer, uh, more so a Keats encourager—in that I think he can get the job done. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he just hasn't hit that mark quite yet uh, outside of the the Al Freeman year, uh, which I'll never forget Al Freeman. Um, but, you know, the time unequivocally is now. It has to be now. You know, you have, uh, you know, not exactly a great start so far. Uh, Should have probably come out with that Miami game. Um, the pit game at home, uh, I'm going to use the F word. I think that was a fluke. Uh, you know, I think. When you have, I believe it was Jack Clark and uh, not not only who was it, Jack Clark and um, Joyner combined 0 for 20, probably won't happen again this year. Uh, So Pitt game, it is what it is. I'll let that one fly. Miami game, got to have it. Louisville game, did have it. The Clemson game, I think you got to win that game. Uh, The team really didn't seem to share that sentiment. They didn't seem a whole lot interested uh, in winning that game. And unfortunately, it took place pretty early on. Uh, poor shooting in the first half. Um, shot selection, I don't know, it was here and it was there. But uh, Joyner didn't really get going. Uh, Terquavion, he hit a couple early on, then just kind of went ghost for a little bit. Uh, came back, didn't do much after that. 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but Clemson me, game, I feel like that was a game we had to have and just did, just didn't. Well, let me help you out here. I've said this before about Keats. It's my biggest complaint. It remains my biggest complaint of Keats. We have to have certain sets drawn up that we know as sure as the sun rises on the east and sets on the west. If we run this play, we will get a bucket. And let me tell you why. We have one of the most dynamic. Roll a ball out and say, hey, I need a bucket. A guy who can do that, fill it up with the best of Interquavian Smith. We have a guy who can do that at a higher clip, almost anybody else. The problem is when he gets cold, all of the other parts of his game get cold with it, with that. He then starts to get into foul trouble. He then starts to make bad passes. He then starts. When you have a guy like that, it is so important to just have at, and I, I mean this now, I genuinely mean this. Four sets. To me, four sets. And that's that's enough that you can run all season. To me, you start off with the three and have a counter that works off of at least two of those three. And you run those for him when he's getting cold to just let him see the ball go through the basket. Let me rattle off some stats for you from that first half, okay? Because this first half was so bad. There was our defense or our effort on defense, and Jack Clark in particular is a guy I want to point to in terms of effort and tenacity defensively. Our effort there meant a lot, but but let's let's let me help you out with something. In the first half, we were 21% from the field. I'm sorry, 22% from the field, 21% from three, and four of six from the free throw line. That, my friends, is not going to get it done in this here ACC. Everybody says we're a basketball conference. Well, I mean, this is the sport where if you cannot, I think we're a women's basketball conference, but that's another story for another time. I don't think you can have a situation where you're letting up in that way and being like, oh, yeah, this is going to work out. Everything's going to be fine here. You can't. You flatly can't. You need guys to hit shots. And and again, Coach Keats needs to run more, um, needs to run a more structured offense in order to, again, just scheme some guys open. Because, yes, Jarkel Joyner and Terquavion Smith as electric of a backcourt, as I've seen in quite some time. With that being said, you cannot trust them to ISO and score all day and night. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Those two this game with a combined 7 of 32 from the field, 3 of 16 from deep. Not going to cut it. The proof is in the pudding. We need some structure. We need a semblance of an offense. And I understand that there are nights where you just have cold nights and other teams hot, which is actually what happened to our women's basketball team. We're going to talk about that in a second. But at this point in time, I'm I'm just like, hey, if Keats can pull it off and get us to the tournament this year, I wouldn't be mad at him keeping this job. However, him getting us to the tournament, the chances are slim to none. And, and Slim just put his top hat on. He put his little jacket on and said, all right, I'll see y'all later now. Hey, I'll catch y'all boys. It's been real. That's that's what it's looking like here. So that's just my take on Keats in this situation. And look, like, and, and Wolfpack fans, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I feel like you should want Keats to succeed. Uh, something I see a lot on Twitter is like, you know, he's got to be out right now. I want him out. 
you should want him to succeed, not just for team, you know, not not just for the win category and getting to the tournament, which ultimately, yes, that is the goal. But we have some big recruits waiting in the wings coming in here. If Keats ends up falling apart and he and he gets he gets the boot, we might not get those recruits. Now, not to say that's a guarantee because we've had our uh, we've had our heart broken a couple times these these past few years with big name recruits that were supposed to get here. Um, but you should want Keats to succeed. You should want to be excited about what we could have on the horizon. Now, on the other hand of that, to Kevin Keats, you got to put it together, man. You're running out of time. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That's the reality of the situation. If not now, then when? And I tell you what, following this Clemson game, they got a little bit of a gauntlet. I believe they have Duke at home uh, this coming Wednesday. After that, they have Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a solid team. And then we take uh, we take another dance with Miami, and that one's here in Raleigh. So those are three good teams we're going to have to run back into. Uh, and like I said, if not now, then when? I think you have to have at minimum one of those games. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then shifting gears, talking about a team that, again, we're accustomed to winning, took a little bit of a loss on this uh, on this last game to Duke here. But the women's basketball team, I mean, this is this is a, a situation where you know, a lot of people are going to be upset and saying, hey, this is how do we lose to Duke? And, you know, this is first of all, this is a good Duke team. Only one loss on the season coming to the same Connecticut team that we lost to earlier in this season. Number one. Um, but number two, no Diamond Johnson. And so, you know, when you look at one of the major problems in that game, we struggled with ball movement. We struggled with too much isolation and all that. And Diamond Johnson, say what you will about the whether or not she is just inherently that playmaker. She has de facto been the person that got the pace role or that controls the pace, that establishes uh, the pace. And it, that is our best playmaker. And she is making a very concerted effort. You can see it. You can physically see her processing through the game and looking for the best pass to make. With her being out and with Duke shooting, I mean – they shot the lights out. You know, I don't I don't like to call things you, I, I, when you said the F word, I was thinking to myself, Lord, please, Grayson, not this soon. Don't don't have a lose our clean rating this early. But with that being said, um when you say fluke, I look at basketball a lot and I see a situation where sometimes a team just gets really hot. Sometimes, sometimes yes. Sometimes you just gotta tip your cap and say that's basketball. And and you know what? I believe that's what happened in this game. You look at Duke and how they shot. Nine of 14 from deep, 15 of 15 from the free throw line. Like, sometimes you just say, hey, it was their day. Everything worked in their favor. Now, are there things that the the pack can improve on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can our screeners get a little bit better in in setting those screens and not leaving space between them and the ball handler to where it's uh, defenders can slide in there and make things tough on them and get over those screens? Absolutely. Can our ball handlers and playmakers make better decisions with the ball? Absolutely. I'm not arguing that at all. But with that being said, um, I, I really and truly look at this team and I say to myself, the only thing that I am that is a recurring theme that I keep finding myself saying is I need Jakia Brown Turner to step up and be consistently better. I need her to be consistently, hey. I am going to um, affect this game positively in many, many ways beyond just my scoring. And I'm not going to have times where I just go quiet and go missing 
because you could do that. You could afford to do that when you have Randy Perez, Alyssa Kunain, um, um, Kai Crutchfield, and and um, I'm, I'm missing her name right now, Kayla Jones. You could yeah. do that when you are the fifth person in that lineup. You can do that. You can have times where you just kind of, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of enjoying the breeze and just I'm going to play some good defense and I'm going to run the court hard and nobody's going to notice me. You don't have that luxury anymore. You have to be that Kayla Jones. You have to be that Kai Crutchfield. You have to be that Randall Perez. You know, I don't think you're going to be that Elisica name, but you get my point. You have to be that player that leads. That's the only critique that I walk away from this game from uh, consistently, uh, saying that I, I need to see more consistently. And even with that, it's not to say that Ja'Kia Brown-Turner played a horrible game, but defensively, the effort didn't seem to be there. Six turnovers didn't help. Now, granted, she did drop in 12 points, two steals, uh, five rebounds. But I am I just need to see a little bit more from her. Sanaya Rivers has been great. She has been amazing. She has she's been everything that she's advertised to be plus some. She's the real deal. But again, when you're missing Diamond Johnson, you need a, a Ja'Kia Brown turn to step up and elevate her game a little bit to a level that, you know, we haven't seen her play at consistently yet. That's, that's my only takeaway. Everything else, hey, Duke had a night. They got really hot. That's a good Duke team. They're better than they, they are perceived nationally. And that's all I got to say there. Yeah, I had three main takeaways. One of them is the turnovers. We had 18 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to beat many people doing that. That just is what it is. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, the ISO ball, we we're kind of throwing the ball all over the place at some points. It's just going to kill you. That's, that's what it is. Um, second point is, as you mentioned, yeah, Diamond Johnson, she very clearly, she is the engine that will move this team. And when the engine's not there, car ain't going to move. So, uh, you know, she is, she's currently missed. Uh, we hope she'll be back soon. But she's a d- dynamic playmaker uh, that opens up the offense, gets other players more involved. Uh, and when she's not there, it's very, very present. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, Sny River, she's the real deal. Um, she definitely pulled her weight in this game. She was awesome. Um, another point, uh, not to call them out, but Mimi Collins and Madison Hayes, they were combined 0 for 7. That hurt. Uh, you know, yeah. a couple buckets from them is definitely supplemental. Um, but all in all, I think the to wrap up this game, hats off to Duke. Kara Lawson, she's one heck of a coach. Um, credit to her. They, you know, they've Duke was they struggled for a couple of years. They brought in Kara Lawson and they've they really turned things around. So credit to Duke, hats off. Uh if we see if we see them again, I don't think they'll shoot that way. So and 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 we'll probably have Diamond Johnson back at that point. So if we see him again, we'll see him again. I, and I'll tell you what, basketball, I'm going to say this, and people might not want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. The fact of the matter is basketball on the men's side should be this competitive in the triangle. It should be this competitive because, again, we are in what is known as the hoop state. We are in the city that produces the most basketball talent per capita in America. We have that here. We have uh, the the Raleigh Invitationals, which I believe just finished uh, this last weekend, where it's like five, six games a day of really good high-level basketball talent. You cannot tell me that we cannot be as competitive. We cannot have a, a one-loss team 12 games into the season being our worst team, our worst team probably in the women's side. You got uh, us, the girls in baby blue, and then do. That's generally what people would say there. And then you look at our men's side, and it's like <laughs> – 
Uh, hey, Kevin, um, can we yeah. get a little bit of that winning? Can we get a another? Bit? Yeah, another reason I'm so like I'm so hell bent on Kevin kind of stepping up here is when Roy Williams decided to step down, and then the next year after, you got Coach K saying, "You know, I've had enough too." Yeah. Dude, the time is now. the The triangle, if we step up, can be quote unquote ours. Yeah, you know, and you I, have these, you have these world beating power coaches stepping down. Now is the time to take advantage of that. And I, I said, I said, for those of you who are familiar with uh, with Avatar lore, this is our Sozin's Comment moment, where the Fire Nation needs to come on in and uh, just go ahead and you know make yourselves real real relevant. This is your shot. This is your moment. That and and I I'd hate to see that moment pass us by, but realistically, we are in that moment. Realistically, people can say what they want about oh well, they were in the Final Four last year. That was a team that got hot and got lucky over there in Chapel Hill. That's what that was. Let's be honest. We're seeing it this year. We're seeing it. We're seeing I can, it. I can burn up a whole show talking about how overrated UNC basketball is this year. But, but this is the thing. This is the thing. We're seeing it again. This Duke team, we're seeing them as like people are saying, oh, yeah, they're underrated and they're one of the best teams. And, and you know, not many people are talking about them. There's a reason for that. This is Duke basketball you're talking about. I promise you there are certain programs off name recognition alone if they are decent. It's like with Duke is to basketball, and I'm not making this equivalence in terms of talent and production. I mean in name recognition. Duke bas- Duke is to basketball what Texas is to football. Every time Texas wins two games, people are like, they're back, they're back, they're back. Duke is the same way. Not saying that Duke has underperformed and shown as much terribleness as Texas. What I'm saying is, they have that name recognition where if they're really good, people cannot wait to tell you they're good. People will chomp at the bit to say, I'll tell you about that dude. Them Blue Devils, boy, John Shire, he got some rolling. Over. And it just hasn't happened for a reason. So, um, Boo, if you're if you're listening to this, I don't know if you're a fan of the pod or not. Uh, but please, you know, if, if if Keats doesn't get it together this year, go ahead and get somebody who can, or we're gonna miss a moment where we could drastically shift this thing. We could draft drastically shift not just the triangle, but the entire scheme of the ACC to where we get a little bit more favorable footing in here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anywho, thank you all so very much for bearing with us, Wolfpack. We, we had a lot to talk about. We went a little over time, but we were very disappointed by some things, okay? And we had to let you know what it is, what it ain't, what it could be, and what it can't. Grayson, tell the folks where to find you. I'm at gboone underscore on Twitter. Uh, feel free to find me on there. I was tweeting through the pain yesterday, unfortunately. But uh, if you want to let me know what you think about, you know, these uh, upcoming basketball games for Kevin Keats and the Wolfpack, uh, and also we're with Wes Moore and the, and the, the Lady Pack, uh, one more thing about the Lady Pack, don't worry about them. They'll be fine. So find Absolutely. us on there on Twitter, and I'll be happy to talk with you about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, folks, um, it is New Year's Eve. Have a good time. Please don't drink and drive, right? Be responsible tonight. We want to see everybody make it home. We want to see everybody come on back to listen to us again, not just for the clicks, but because we like people being alive. That's a good thing to us. So please be safe, be responsible, call an Uber, call a cab, get a friend to drive, whatever you need to do, do so and get home safely tonight, all right? We appreciate y'all for making this show what it is. And uh, we're going to keep coming at y'all in 2023 with more of the show. No fluff pieces, no hit pieces. I know I told y'all I was leaving. I lied. I'm sorry. I'm a liar. Um, But peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. Go Pack.
You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.